Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of the Fashion Grunge Podcast. I am Lauren, and today I have my buddy Susanna back and another guest. Hey. Hello. Hey, I'm really excited. We're talking about the game today from 1997, and this is directed by David Fincher. I just watched this movie for the first time this morning, so I have first thought takes, I guess, but I want to know more about, I think the reason, I want to know more about why either one of you or both of you picked this one to do. Mm. Sure. So Ben, do you want to go first? Hmm. Uh, I guess... Um themes from well i don't know actually it's uh the 90s i mean it's a 90s film but it really could have come out sort of in any time it doesn't there isn't a lot sort of fixing it in time and place no not really i think i picked it because i find like the storyline to be really unusual in the sense that it's a kind of common storyline but the ending is just so surprising i guess for me when i first saw it and so um and i kind of like that it has a sort of happy ending you know like not all fincher movies do yes this is this is true yeah this is super true wow that's so interesting because my friend jai who also is on the podcast she also was saying like oh we should do the game i was like oh yeah i think i'm gonna do it with Susanna and ben she's like oh i can't wait because it's like one of my favorites i was like oh okay cool so i think i going in i think i This was not one of my favorite Finchers. I'm a massive Fincher fan. And I feel like it's just a really weird film to come out in between Seven and Fight Club because Mm. they're just so fucking strong in storytelling. And I figured out the story like from maybe 20 minutes in and I was like, I've seen this before. And I've seen Michael Douglas play this exact role more than 10 times. So I think I was kind of like, (laughs) okay, like... I think I, I mean, I kind of, I mean, I kind of, I just found it really weird. I don't want to say the word lazy, but I thought it was very lazy when it comes to Fincher. Like Fincher is a perfectionist and Mm. even the way it was shot, like the cinematography, which is interesting that it's done by, um, I believe his name is Harris. He just did last days, which we just did on the, the podcast. So he's a really amazing cinematographer and it's not the cinematographer that Fincher like works with. He has worked with him on Zodiac, but it's not the same one who works on him with uh, Fight Club and I believe Seven. So it didn't look like Fincher. And I always can tell because it looks like Fincher. So I feel like this could have been directed by anyone, which I think was my like main takeaway is that if this was directed by someone else, I think I wouldn't have expected much. But I was going in thinking like, oh, fuck, this is going to be Fincher. Like, this is going to be sick. And I was just like, I didn't get it. (laughs) Like, I didn't get that that moment but i like um well we'll get into we'll get into one thing more though i think i was reading online that like it was supposed to come out before seven and which would have been better yeah and he had to kind of pause everything because brad pitt was available for seven and so he kind of had to start working on seven before this and then came back to this film yeah i wonder if it would have been different had he yeah made this before had it come out before or if it had also different casting, apparently Sean Penn was supposed to be uh, Jodie Foster. And that was uh, a big kind of point of contention uh, because, yeah, like Michael Douglas didn't want her playing his sibling. 
or no, it was supposed to be the daughter. Just kidding. It was supposed to be his daughter. And he was like, we're only 18 years apart. I don't think she should be, she, she should be playing my daughter. I was like, well, you could have had a kid at 18. Like that's, that's, mm-hmm. not, that's not that weird, but yeah. So I guess that then they re like, there were a whole lot of casting things that maybe could have made it different or better, but this is also first, first viewing. I also don't have a history with it, which I think a lot of people probably saw in the nineties. Most yeah, likely. one thing I was I was noticing when we were watching it was I feel like a lot of movies they're not very uh that have sort of a twist, they're not very interesting once you uh they're not as interesting to rewatch. Mm-hmm. Uh, cuz there isn't it's sort of like um you know the catch. Yeah. yeah. Catch uh like the Shyamalan movies uh remain interesting cuz you're sort of you're you're appreciating how well he's kind of leading you down the garden path. Um Whereas, say, something like Alien, I feel like the first half of the movie is very interesting, and you can you can watch it over and over again. But as soon as the chestburster scene happens, the rest of the movie I find really boring to watch. Um, or to rewatch. Th- yeah, sorry, to rewatch. Whereas with this one, we're watching again. I've, I don't know, I've probably seen it about five or six times, um, and I'm really enjoying it. It's like, oh, okay. sort of like uh, I, I like the way he's sort of like unfolding yeah, the what's happening. Layers of the onion. Yeah. I like, I liked the um, unpredictability of the game itself. Like that's yeah. what kept me on my toes. I was like, Oh my God, what's going to happen? Oh my God, they're selling this house. Oh my God, this is happening. Like that I think is what kept me more intrigued. I think I probably would have changed the end. And Fincher himself said he, he didn't like the third act and he actually is not proud of this. I wouldn't be either if I was mm-hmm. Fincher, but granted he's done a lot, like I think more effective films mm-hmm. since. So it's not like people are going to recognize him for it. Um, I also like, I love Michael Douglas, but mm-hmm. I, I, I feel like this is he's done so many films where he's like the Wall Street investment oh, yeah. banker asshole. Or he's either cheating on his wife like he is in Basic Instinct also in San Francisco, which is why I was mm-hmm. like, why do I feel like I've seen this? Him driving around in like a Benz in San Francisco. Oh, wait, Sharon Stone. Um, and and that was, uh, um, he had that cop show when he was young called mm-hmm. San Francisco. So it's like he's got all these connections. Yeah, like it's it's so weird. I was like, oh, okay. And then this is like Wall Street where he's like an investment banker. And I was like, okay, like that's cool. And then I guess I was really missing the fact that there was no, like the woman in it. I was like, he's not sleeping with this woman. Like this is Michael Douglas we're talking about. He's like the king of 90s erotic thrillers. Like how is this mm-hmm. woman just like around? And like when she like took the shower at his place, I was like, what? Really? Oh, wow. Okay. We're really diverting. <laughs> like this is usually what I'm expecting, I guess, from him in these movies, but this is not, I mean, this is Fincher. This isn't like, um, what is it? Paul Verhoeven who did like basic yeah. instinct and like showgirls and shit. So it's like, it's, it's just like so funny. It's so weird, but yeah, I have, um, well, one question is, would mm-hmm. you ever join or do a game like this? Like if let's say I did this, let's say I did this for like your anniversary and I was like, Hey, there's this really cool mm-hmm. game. Like, would you ever take anyone up on it? Or would you just be like, nah? I mean, I think in some ways, that's kind of what like is the center of the story and stuff is that you don't like, you don't know what the game is until the very end. So you go through the whole movie, you know, sort of in, you know, Douglas's head where you're kind of thinking like, you know, is this like, that there's something sinister 
going on. Whereas, like they're um, going to murder him. Yeah, yeah, like murder him or blackmail him or 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 something. And then, I mean, I think that's the twist at the end is that it's actually like a positive thing. And so it's sort of like, in some ways, you you can't agree to the thing because you don't know what it is sort of thing it's like well and there's a scene where he almost dies like in the the, yeah i was gonna say what if he didn't use that handle like what i kind of want to know what would have happened had he died like what (laughs) what would have yeah would they all have been like (laughs) they would have had the divers or something i guess that's what they said. Didn't she say there, there was a diver there. You would have been fine. Oh, like, yeah, you okay. weren't actually going to die. I mean, you were really close, but you weren't actually going to die. I think if, if this was my movie, I would have had him die in that taxi. And mm-hmm. then I would have had that whole third act be like Sean Penn. Cause I feel like we did not use Sean Penn. Like we could have. Yeah, all. Sean Penn's character could have been developed more. Mm-hmm. And I feel like there would have been something where the story would have been like, there would have been another layer to CRS. And then that you would have seen that there was something going on with the brother. And because Michael Douglas died or what's his name? Nikki died. Then I, I, I would have been cool to have Sean Penn like come in there. And then it would have been like another story. And you're like, fuck, he actually died. Like that would have probably tripped me up more. The fact that like he, I would never think he's going to die. I always thought I was like, well, I know he's not going to die. He's the protagonist in this. So, Mm -hmm. but I guess I probably would have detoured and just had him die. And I Mm -hmm. probably wouldn't have expected that. And I, I mean, I, I find it really weird too, because I felt a lot of, I couldn't figure out where I'd seen this story before, but I figured this has to be like a twilight zone because this Mm -hmm. is not an original story. Like I've seen this a lot, this kind of like, uh, uh, questioning either it's like a I mean this kind of seems like I it actually, could have been the, I, is it I did find the answer to that so oh I yes down, I was looking um like up some of the details and so um it is an original story in the sense that this like the movie the script is an original yeah story, based on an Alfred Hitchcock presents uh episode from season one called happy birthday ah okay so I knew it, it, yeah. it does have like it does have a little bit of that Hitchcock feeling. I mean, when you mm-hmm. look at like the lighting, it's um, kind of got those darker tones. Um, I actually really like the cinematography, although I don't, ass- I don't, I agree with you that it's not like seven or fight club. Like the aesthetics are really different. Yeah. yeah um, it's different. But I actually feel like I was rewatching it today. And I think there are some scenes that are really beautiful that are just kind of maybe understated. Like when he's getting tested to see if he can participate in the game, there's a moment where the projector stays on and he stands up and he's like, oh yeah, trying to figure out. And like, it's actually really beautiful. So I do think there are these like more quiet. I think it's just a very different movie. I don't think you can easily compare it to Seven or Fight Club. No, no, definitely not. I don't think that they fit in the same genre of filmmaking in the sense that like there's just such a different vibe. Um, there's also this thing with uh, I. There's something they talk about in cinematography where like Fincher always does things uh, sort of like the way you're not supposed to do it. Mm-hmm. So they like the kind of the the phrase is that Fincher always like does it wrong, um, but he's like on purpose. I, I think I think that's the way they phrase it, and it's like this is kind of like that. It's sort of like, like you start watching the movie and you're kind of 
think it's like basic instinct mm-hmm. or something like that. And you're like, you know, Michael Douglas, rich guy. And there's this thing happening. It's like, he's taking stuff that's really familiar and then gradually sort of twisting it until you're like, wait, this isn't what I'm like, what I thought it was, you know, it's kind of mm-hmm. like, and I, and I think that's part of like, like the reality no, not the reality. It's like the familiarity of, of it is part of the the, the sort of um, is a tool that he's using against the viewer to sort of confuse the viewer more by because you think you're like yeah Michael Douglas San Francisco rich guy you're like I know this yeah yeah you're like oh there's probably a woman involved. Mm-hmm. someone's probably gonna die and there's gonna be like some weird like yeah. how do like i got blamed for it and how am i gonna like show that i'm innocent essentially yeah yeah kind of thing yeah that's kind of like yeah like what what's happening mm-hmm. that's i kind of want i thought that was gonna happen at some point i thought the game was gonna have him be framed for something mm-hmm. at one point i was surprised that that didn't happen that it was all just kind of like really not, I mean, at first it was kind of minor inconveniences that just led up to like this massive thing that I was like, so wait, the suicide, the attempted suicide was part of this ploy. And mm-hmm. the guy was like, I'm so glad you jumped. Otherwise I was going to have to push you. I was like, this is insanity. Rich people are crazy. <laughs> like uh-huh. well, literally I, this is insane. And I think that's really symbolic though, because his father jumped off of their, mm-hmm. off of their home to commit and committed suicide. So I think that the symbolism of the jumping is, is very important for the the story. Oh yeah, totally. Which also the first time I saw the beginning, the complete intro is, is the intro to succession. First of all, um, that's almost like totally copying. (laughs) Exactly. It's like a super eight. It's a lot of kind of like photos or like a 16 millimeter or something. And it, Mm -hmm. and it shows them younger. And then you see the family, like, you know, growing up and like running around. I was like, Oh, this is like succession. And I was like, oh, it's going to be rich people acting up. Here we go. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so um, then I was like, oh, okay. So he has uh, when also when you mentioned the projector, that whole scene where he's being tested mm-hmm. reminded me of in the late 90s, there was kind of an influx of this weird, like futuristic uh, medical, like Gattaca was similar yeah. um, mm-hmm. in like this very futuristic, like, Uh, manipulating genes and we're creating species and like demolition man was like a weird like medical like we're cryogenically freezing like we became Mm -hmm. really into all that stuff i think edging up to the millennium because we thought after 2000 we were all going to be flying and in space cars and doing all this weird shit like automatically Mm -hmm. um so yeah i thought that that was cool when he did the test i was like i am way too um, and in my earlier post question, I would probably not do this because I'm just mm-hmm. a really skeptical person. And I would think this is like some Scientology shit. And like, you're trying to put me in some cult or something like come to this and like, come to this address. It's like no free personality mm-hmm. test. Not, not interested. It's also like a very San Francisco kind of thing where I'm kind of, it's like, I would, uh, I like, I would expect to, to hear about this from some Northern California person. And I would instantly like be so hostile towards them because like, <laughs> this is some goddamn California nonsense where you guys are doing some ridiculous hippie cult shit. You know, yeah. it's like um, it's like, don't you guys have work to do or something? You know, it's <laughs> how um, much money do you have? Kind of like Burning Man stuff. You know, it's like ah. Uh, crystals. Um, yeah. The yeah. whole nine. I, I think it comes from like East coast, uh, like we're just way too cynical. We're we're just 
think we look too much for logic and we would be yeah. like, what is happening here? This is really weird. And mm-hmm. I wish he kind of didn't. I can't believe that in his character that he went through with this. I guess this is also the pre-internet data, um, like kind mm-hmm. of like hoarding your data. I was like, this motherfucker is not getting all this biometric information on me. Like, you don't even know who they are. Yeah. And you're going to give them like your heart rate, your blood, like all this stuff. But that's before we had this you know i mean now it's very different we have dna things you can send in the mail but they didn't mm-hmm. have all that so i guess he probably thought oh this is really high end this is mm-hmm. high tech of course i'll do this yeah it's gonna be a crazy game you know it's gonna be really cool it's gonna be super customized i would love to actually um now that i'm thinking about it i would actually love to see like a little mini series of like different games for other people because i yeah. want to know yeah i want to know the intensity mm-hmm. for depending on the subject like i'd like to follow someone in a medical exam or something and they find out oh this person has high blood pressure well we still have to tailor the game to them so how are we going to scare them without Mm -hmm. killing them you know what i mean like i I kind of am curious how they built the game well and i also think he trusts the game creators because his brother did it right yeah like Mm -hmm. if it hadn't been his brother and then when he's at the club and those two guys are talking about it like i think he has buy-in because people he knows have done it or like is acquainted with and like like, a cult yeah kind of like you know if they hadn't kind of like laid this garden path for him to to kind of walk down i don't think he would have done it just on his own um his brother is so untrustworthy i feel like the way that like connie or like conrad is mm -hmm. he just doesn't seem like someone that i would definitely jump into something that he has done because he it's not like this it's not like he did this game and it like made his life better it seems like he's still kind of completely off the wall and he kind of goes with it a little bit but then he's like like <laughs> the, the longer it goes on the more he's like the more he's like fuck this and he's trying to get away from it so it's he's like, trying to end the game which he was yeah. promised he could mm-hmm. they told him if you just like tap out you you don't have to do this and like, like when he first gets there they're like intentionally being difficult like the woman sort of ignores him the receptionist ignores him and then hands him up to the guy who has him like hold his food. Oh yeah. And then, uh, yeah, he's like eating Chinese food. Yeah. While eating talking. Chinese food, which is driving him nuts. <laughs> and he's, um, uh, what is it? Oh, and they, they, they say, Oh yeah, go do this thing. It'll only take a minute. And then it always takes forever. Like all day. Pulling out the bubble sheets. And it's clear he's, he's been there for like five hours or something. Oh, God. And the pencil breaks and you're like, Oh man, they engineered a pencil to break. <laughs> like, has a really I, I love all the questions. You see, some of the questionnaires are just like, if mm-hmm. someone was in an accident, like, would you stop? There was one of them, mm-hmm. like, if you dinged a, a car, like, just slightly dinged it, would you stop? And then, like, if someone was having a heart attack, all these things that ended up happening. And mm-hmm. it's like, would you, if someone was having a heart attack, like, on the street, like, would you stop? Would you, uh, you know, like, would you help them? Would you run away? Which is really, I also, I don't want anyone to know those questions. Like, how I would answer those questions either. Because it depends on the case. I mean, yeah. it's it's not like a hard and fast rule. Like, no, I wouldn't help them. Or yes, I would. But I mean, I guess, I know it's a questionnaire. But I also am surprised that that they would do, I'm sure if they did this now, I'd be curious to see what they would do now. Because now we have so much more technology. So I'm surprised mm-hmm. they wouldn't have him hooked up to like a lie detector. And actually have a video of him answering the questions. Because paper means nothing. Mm-hmm. I need to see your facial features. I need to see if you're panicking. If you're 
Because then I know, okay, wow, he's registering to an accident. Maybe there's something. This feels very Scientology, like audit situation. Like, oh yeah, maybe there's something that happened in his past that he's running away from. Maybe he hit someone and ran away. Like all these different little things that could have happened. Well, and also like the clown thing. Mm -hmm. So like there's the clowns (sighs) in the early video, like the childhood, like the super eight, the (laughs) The succession intro. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Succession obviously stole that. So, but there's like this clown theme there, and then that like mannequin um, clown, uh, yeah, the, like um, puppet, I guess. Doll. Yeah, that doll. like doll thing. Like I don't know, that thing is just so horribly creepy to me. Mm-hmm. That was dressed up and created to look like his dad when he jumped off the the, the house. I was like, okay, this is a lot. Like they're yeah. starting, they're starting heavy already. Like this is crazy. Also, that shot of the father on the the roof Mm -hmm. Uh, i don't know if it i don't know if it was really that well known uh, Mm -hmm. at the time but it really reminded me of robert durst because that's how his mom died and Mm -hmm. in the jinx that series that Mm -hmm. um they have very similar footage in the jinx very similar yeah and it's like a big house and the fact that robert durst saw i thought it was the mom at first i was like if this is the mom this is literally like what happened in the durst story but Mm -hmm. in this case it was the dad but yeah that reminded me also wealthy family you know, the whole like situation, but I was like, Oh wow. This reminds me of that, which easily could have, they could have taken something from too. Cause that had already happened in like the seventies or like even before that, maybe sixties, but yeah. yeah. Something too, where it's like, uh, I think there's a theme too, that he's, he's, uh, spent his life reenacting his father's life. Mm-hmm. Like you almost sort of, you, you know, you're kind of like, you know, is that, He's probably sleeping in like his parents' bed. You know, it's like oh yeah, because it's, it's like probably like I mean maybe he got a new mattress, but it's like he's living in this big mansion <clears throat> for no reason. It's kind of a kind of a um, Bruce Wayne kind of feel. Yeah, like, yeah, totally. Why, why are you why are you a single guy living in this gigantic like mansion? Yeah, like that's it. Your yeah. family made. Yeah, that's been there through the generations. Yeah, and it's something, and it's, uh, and so he's, I think he feels like he's sort of, you know, railroaded, like he can't go, he can't get off the tracks to the suicide. So his, you know, his dad killed himself when he was 48, and so he's feeling like he's going to kill himself, and it's the intervention. And he's 48. Yeah. Yeah. And and so he's, so the game is, is intervening to save him, um by sort of you know wrecking the 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 order of his life but the order of his of his life is going to lead to him killing himself so it's sort of like these these themes of rebirth like when he after the taxi goes into the bay and then he you know he surfaces you know it's like back from the dead mm-hmm. he wakes up in mexico you know and it's like crawls out of that grave it's like back from the dead and then uh and then the suicide, you know, he jumps and then lands on a cushion back from the yeah. dead. You know, so it's like, it's like this, this rebirth where he's, he's freed from the, the, the trap that he built for himself. You know? And the last, the last jump or the last uh, kind of like venture into that when he mm-hmm. falls on the pillow and when, you know, everyone's around him, like, you know, oh, you know, paramedics and everything. And the oh, way and his. Paramedic is Spike Jones. 
Oh yeah, no wait, is the paramedic the one that at the end is that Spike Jones or was That's it the Spike guy? Jones. Oh okay, and then Michael Mass is another one. Is that the guy with the homeless guy who had the heart attack? <laughs> Mm. There are two of those people that I know I read in the notes that one of them was Michael Mass or Michael Massey and the other one was Spike Jones. I was like, wait, were those the paramedics at the end or the ones in the ambulance? I didn't go back to see to like uh, see which, which ones they were. There's some paramedics, yeah. Who's uh, Michael Massey? Um, he is in let me see. I'm trying to think. I know his name, and I remember when I was reading it, I was like, oh, let's see. Michael Massey. He oh, he was fun boy in the crow. Do you know mm. fun boy was he had the long hair he actually just recently died like um oh. 20 oh no 2016 not recently but kind of sort of he, he was in um he was also in seven. Oh really yes i believe he's the guy who hold on let me double check which one he is in seven because i think he's the guy okay he's in the massage parlor I think he's the guy that killed the prostitute in seven who had that like dildo on. Remember when they're interviewing him and they're like, what happened? And he tells the story about how like, quote, I mean, sorry, spoiler. If you haven't seen seven, then skip ahead. Cause we're going to ruin it. But <laughs> oh, oh yeah, no, I, I pulled up his picture. Yeah. He's, yeah. He's, I think he's, I think he's that guy. I guess he doesn't have a name, but it's like man. <laughs> and massage parlor. I think that's what it is. But um, yeah, he's in a lot of things. Yeah. But, Oh, yeah, he is the airbag EMT. So then that is Spike Jones with him at the airbag because they were together. So it's at the end. Mm. Um, I think yeah, I thought that was really crazy. The look on his face, it, it, because obviously he thought he died. I mean, he can't believe I wouldn't believe. First of all, the fact that it's breakaway glass and you've gone through like two sections of breakaway glass, um, mm -hmm. which is very elaborate. Like, how did you build this roof? glass in breakaway glass <laughs> mm -hmm. like it's just very very elaborate but and i really want, also want to know what that bill was at the end too um I, like wanted to hypothesize how much do you think this entire oh, game yeah. was at the end they're like let's split it i was like what was it 10 million <laughs> mm -hmm. um 5 million uh mm -hmm. you know 750k like what i mean what's the kind of bill we're looking at it's yeah, it, it feels like, like like you said the idea of or uh um you could do a whole show about you know, people doing this kind of stuff because it would be, you know, it would be sort of like special effects people and con men and, uh, you know, military people and medical people and, you know. It would be uh, serious. And it's like, and how do you pay for all this stuff? You know, yeah. It's like Inception. Actually. It is. It's very much like Inception. Like another thing that you can – I guess another way to change your brain and your mm -hmm. like linear thinking from day to day, it's just almost like survivor or something. Like you just plop yourself down and you're like, here, figure it out. Mm -hmm. And you don't know what's going to happen next. Well, one thing I think we find interesting about the story is, or that you were saying earlier, Lauren, that it feels like things you've seen before. I wonder mm -hmm. if a lot of people are referencing this. You That's know, another thing. If I'd like, seen so, this in the 90s, maybe I wouldn't feel that way. <laughs> yeah, because I, I feel like a lot of things maybe are coming, shooting from this, you know, oh, totally. in the future. So, like, I don't know. I mean, to some of the inside jokes, too, I think are pretty funny. Like, um, there's, like, a scene where, like, there's some shirt that's like I was dragged and left for dead in Mexico and I got all I got. Was oh yeah, it was a yeah. <laughs> yeah. And he like the way he holds it up. Like little funny nuggets that you're like, huh. <laughs> like it's so like funny. Humor throughout it. Um, 
I don't know. I think I also think that there's something that is classic about the storyline. You know, I think Ben, you were saying that's a little like Scrooge, mm-hmm. like the story. Mm-hmm. Um, like it's a wonderful life too. It's a wonderful life. Yeah. That, like that this like cynical rich man needs a near death experience to come alive. Validate his existence. Uh, Citizen Kane would be another one, another old one, mm-hmm. similar to that too. Which he also did. David Fincher also did Mank too, so I think he's into Orson Welles um, mm-hmm. as as like a concept and as you know, like a storyteller and stuff. Um, yeah. Cool. Well, we've blabbed for thirty minutes, but let's do behind the scenes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, did you dig anything up interesting? We talked about some things, like there were some different casting options. Uh, or do you want me to go? The night scenes with a different <clears throat> uh, film process. Oh. I said this, uh, let's see, it was on Wiki. Um, oh, uh, jumping back real quick. They, they said that there's uh, an early kind of inspiration came from a G.K. Chesterton novel. Uh, oh. 1903. It was a... Uh, the Tremendous Adventure, Adventures of Major Brown, which oh. was in the Club of Queer Trades. And Chesterton did, I only know, I don't know a whole lot about it, but he did a bunch of like, you know, sort of interesting, uh, like stuff, interesting ideas early on. But anyway, so jumping back to uh, the, the night scenes. The night scenes, yeah. Um, Let's see. Casting. Uh, we talked about casting. Um, well, I want to know more about. Apparently, okay. Jodie Foster was mm-hmm. supposed, as I mentioned before, was supposed to be there to play his uh, daughter, or no sibling. But then she wanted to play his daughter. That's what it was. She was cast as a sibling. Then she herself were, was like, "No way, I want to be the daughter." And then Douglas and Fincher were not into it. They were like, no, we don't like this. So that's when they went with Sean Penn. And then Foster sued Polygram, which is the studio, the distributor, uh, for $54 million, even though her company, which is Egg Pictures, was one of the production companies. And that got settled out of court. And she's like actually personal friends with Michael Douglas, Mm. um, which I thought was actually kind of funny (laughs) that she like sued them. I know. And then she goes on to do Panic Room. Yeah, she still worked with Fincher. that was part of the settlement. (laughs) <laughs> yeah possibly and she produced it i mean she still produced the movie yeah so maybe that funny. was kind of like the the off the off the record <laughs> yeah he's like you have to do this movie for me like and she's like all right and jared leto is going to be in cornrows and it's going to be a hot mess <laughs> which uh, david fincher actually did which i find even more funny like he he did jared leto's hair <laughs> for panic room what really yeah uh-huh he That's gave him like insane. straight backs. Yeah, it's not funny. How, <laughs> yeah, it's really how does he know how to braid hair? <laughs> he grew up, I believe, in oh shit. He, he there's actually a, either a article or a mm-hmm. little blurb I saw somewhere where he grew up in like this neighborhood when he was young, and like the girls taught him how to do it, so he like knew how to do it. <laughs> it's just really weird. You get this weird uh, stuff, and I feel like sometimes it gets sort of purged from bios because it doesn't make sense. Like Tom Hanks. Uh, dad remarried like he he was like a dishwasher and he ended up marrying the uh the woman who ran this chinese restaurant where he was a dishwasher so oh. he grew up in this chinese family 
in the Chinese oh, wow. like, restaurant. And it's like, what? And you never hear anything about this. Yeah, you like, never hear that. And, and it's so weird that I'm kind of like, did, is somebody pulling my leg? Where did I hear this? You know, but then <laughs> I, I, I remember that I, I confirmed it somewhere. Like I confirmed it at some point, like found like a second source saying the same thing. And it was like, why don't they talk about this more often? This is crazy. Um, people from sure <laughs> do. I'm sure someone's done like a deep dive into all of the weirdness of, I, I find Tom Hanks very weird. I, mm-hmm. I, I find him, I mean, this is like, I mean, allegedly I have no evidence, but I find something sinister about him and I don't know what it is. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like he plays this good guy role too much. And I feel like mm-hmm. there's something else there, but I don't know. It's just a, it's just a feeling <laughs> that I have, but yeah, it's just, I'm like, he's so good. He's like too good. There's something too squeaky clean <laughs> about him. I think it's like he's he's trying to be um a good person. Like Tom Penn's the opposite. Tom <laughs> Penn's trying to be a bad person. He's a fucking nut, dude. He's a nut. Like he's he's a great actor, but there I definitely have to say there are a lot of things in his personal life that I'm not cool with. <laughs> like in regards to his like really past relationships that he's had. But I mean yeah he's a wild card for sure i feel like this was not much acting for him let's put it that way no i feel like this is kind of how i would expect to receive sean penn at like Mm -hmm. a party like (laughs) i just would feel like he would either be completely whoa in the car when they got the flat and no one knows how to change a flat of course and Mm -hmm. then like all like that whole sean i can see and then i can also see like the sean penn when he was at the table which I thought was his son because they just look so far apart in age. And it yeah. might just be because Michael Douglas has grayer hair that I thought he was in his fifties mm-hmm. and not his, not his forties or not his late forties. I just kind of assumed that he was like his son. Maybe Sean Penn just has a younger face in the nineties. Cause they're, I don't think they're that far apart in age, but they looked like, I thought it was a son. When they said brother, I was like, Oh brother. Oh. Yeah. Cause he, like he did a thin red line, probably a couple of years later. Yeah, that was and, nice. You know, he looks like, you know, a piece of leather that's been left out in the game for, for twenty years. Yeah, I mean, you know, like, <laughs> he does now too. Have you seen this? Sean Penn is a fascinating huh. person. <laughs> He's in Poland right now. I just saw this morning yeah. because yeah. the Oscars are happening tonight as we're recording this. So he also said because I think the Ukrainian president wants to speak at the Oscars or they want him to. And he said, and I quote, if they do not let him speak at the Oscars, I will publicly smelt my Oscar in public. Isn't that so, wild? I was I'm just waiting. I was trying to look up Sean Penn uh, something as we were talking. And I was he like, whoa. To, he doesn't know much about that kind of thing because how do you smell something in public like you're gonna build a furnace like yeah i was like what are you, you gonna what do about, i was like what are you gonna do like you're already this weird like i don't know i mean there, actually, act? there is a big age difference uh michael oh, was born in 1944 and sean penn was born in 1960 oh they could have been um father and son then mm. but it yeah, probably so wouldn't have worked about then. like that's i wonder like yeah i don't know, Do you know michael douglas and jodie foster were in a disney movie about a lion yeah lion I yeah i saw that in like the yeah. 70s right <laughs> yeah i think one of those old like live action 70s disney movies 
like Escape wow. from Witch Mountain, like those. Yeah. Yeah, like those old school ones. Yeah. So yeah, was 72. There, that's really old. Was there ever any thought about casting somebody different than Michael Douglas? I don't think so, right? Um, I don't think so. With a lot of Michael Douglas films, at least the ones like when he was super hot back in like the 90s, I think it was a lot of things were pitched to him or written for him because he yeah. just yeah, I mean, he just really brings in brings in the money, I would assume. There's something about an earlier thought about doing it, but it was it was with the old script. With, oh. the end, with like a suicide, like murder suicide, but it has uh, Kyle MacLachlan and Bridget Fonda in the lead roles. And it was like, I wouldn't have minded that. <laughs> hmm. uh, Bridget Fonda, I don't know, but I like Kyle MacLachlan. I like him too, but I don't think he'd be good for that. Uh, I well, I mean, he always comes off as like a nice guy too, so it's sort of except for Showgirls. <laughs> Oh, I, he was in there. I just watched Showgirls for the first time and reviewed it, and I was like, "He's in this? This is so weird. Why is he in this? This is like, a... like he's sort of accidentally in movies. It's like he's always doing a cameo, like like in every movie since Dune. It always seems like he's doing it, like he's just showing up to do a cameo, even movies that he's the star of. He's just so funny. There, and we're like, "What are you doing?" He's like, "I don't know. Like, I'm just here to do to read some lines." I love when he's the mayor in Portlandia. Uh, the the show that. Portlandia, it's so good. He like sits on that bouncy ball like in his yeah. office. <laughs> like it's so funny. Um yeah, do you I have a few behind the scenes like technical notes. Um mm. the budget of this was 70 million dollars, which I Ooh. have to think was spent on permits in San Francisco. Yeah. And maybe renting that mansion. Probably yep. right. That seems to be like where I would think the money would go. Also, I'm pretty sure Michael Douglas commanded a heavy role or a heavy salary. I didn't mm-hmm. figure out what he was paid, but I feel like yeah, he I think a lot. I think he would have asked for a lot for this role. And I Sean mean, Penn, you were following him the whole time. I mean, there's no break. You know, mm-hmm. he's that, yeah, that is true. There's like almost no, there's no scene he's not in. Yeah, that's true. That's nuts. Also, the girl who plays Christine, is it Christy or Christine? She was in uh, 13, which is a movie that came out in the 2000s. It's kind of interesting. And she was also in something else that I'd seen recently, but I remember her from 13. She's she's one of those interesting actresses, kind of like, um, I think it's Natasha McElhorn. Uh, oh yeah she's where, a lot of stuff where she has like very distinct looks and then it's just in a you know you, you see her like now and then um and uh yeah it, it, i don't know there's something very distinct about her she's in californication that's where we are from yeah um but she's english isn't she or australian Oh, maybe. I think she mm-hmm. is for some reason. It's it's Natasha Mackle. Is it like Macklehone or? Oh, oh, the uh, oh, the the other one. Uh, Wait, who are you talking about? I was talking about. <clears throat> yeah, that's who I was talking about. And then when you were saying if she's English, I was thinking about this other one. Um, oh, she is English, uh, Natasha. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. Uh, she's in Solaris. She's actually in a lot of shows. Yeah, yeah. She's she... in Vancouver. Oh really? Canadian. Oh, not oh, Natasha. Yeah. The yeah, the oh, woman in the Deborah. game. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. She's from uh she's from there, yeah. That's so crazy. I'm just looking at Natasha. She's in a lot of shit. 
I'm thinking also that it's funny that there aren't more uh, sort of references to it. The only thing I can think of, like like the movie, is um, in um, the first episode of Venture Brothers. There's a scene where the doctor uh, wakes up like uh, dead in Mexico or like wakes up in a grave in Mexico. Oh. And I was like, you know, and you kind of like they don't they don't over like explain it. You just like sort of like you get it or you don't like you get it if you get it. Uh, But it's sort of like you're like, oh, it's the game. Um, And then but uh, yeah, but but it's like that's the only reference I can think of. I like that Seymour Butts. I always thought of The Simpsons. (laughs) <laughs> when like Bart prank calls Moe's Tavern, <laughs> it's like see more butts. <laughs> That's I was like, oh my god, The Simpsons. That's so funny. It um, is funny. Oh, so okay, so the budget was seventy million. Box office was one hundred nine point four. So it actually did pretty well. Mm. It's kind of insane. Impressive. Rotten mm-hmm. Tomatoes gives it seventy seven percent, and the audiences give it eighty four. So that's pretty interesting. They rated it a bit higher. And IMDb has 7.8 out of 10. That's about what I would give it, I guess. I, this is good because I like when I have episodes that I don't immediately, um, I guess, immediately love the movie, but either I end up changing my view halfway, but this is why I like to talk to other people about it who saw things that obviously I didn't. And you've seen it more than once. I've just seen it like a few hours ago. So I'm mm-hmm. sure when I see it again, I'll be like, oh, yeah, that's true. Okay, that is a little different. Okay, it like you got it on the TV right now. Yeah, I know. Yeah, you guys have it on mute. I should probably yeah. do that. Like, yeah, it's have it on visually. Like, it, it triggers like memories of things that you didn't like. It's interesting because I think the time I remember, I used to live in California and worked at this unusual school. And the head of the school w- one day was like, "You want to watch a movie with me?" And I was like, "Sure." Like it was like a Friday night, and we we're just hanging out with her. Um, her mom lived on campus too, so we we popped this in. I think it was like a dvd or vhs tape and like this woman who liked tom cruise dorothy yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. so God. so we watched it with her mother who was like in her 70s and like, oh wow um, and her and then like we were all like watching it together and like i thought it was great i mean we it was years ago though i mean that was a long time ago it was over 10 years ago that i watched it with them and i and i, I thought it was cool because it was like we could all enjoy it on different for different reasons i guess yeah like, it is a cool one I don't know. I think also I like that it has a happy ending. Like I like, even though that I don't think that's a very Fincher thing. Um, what are you talking about? Fight Club had the happiest of endings. <laughs> no credit card debt. Are you kidding? That's the best mm-hmm. ending we could have ever had. And another, you know, not so great ending, but I happen to like the ending of Seven because you yeah, know, you it's don't a good get rid of Glenna, ending, so. but it's horrifying. I mean, like Jesus. It is, but what else are you supposed to do? What else was he supposed to do? <laughs> like, <laughs> he obviously was going to get pushed to that brink, and we got to we had to get the what's in the box. Come on, anytime anyone says what's in the box, it's like, oh yeah, it's, you know what that is. <laughs> um, well, it's weird too because I don't think I don't remember any time since the movie came out that that was sort of like, like, uh, like a catchphrase, like, like it, it. It feels like it's just in the last few years that that's sort that's of true. become like a thing. So it's it's really yeah, it's sort of weird. It's like a sleeper. Yeah, way more yeah, than Spike Club. It has this great feel to it, but it's also get like uh, it kind of, like I found it like really disturbing 
Whereas like when it started, I was like, oh, this is really interesting. I really like the sort of texture stuff of, of the film. And then as it went along, I got, I found it like more and more upsetting. There's this really funny, uh, I think it was Charlie Rose, where it was like an interview oh, with Fincher and an interview <laughs> and, and, and separately an interview with the, with the guy that wrote it. And both of Is them, that Andrew Kevin Walker. Uh, I'm not sure, but but they, he also wrote this too. He's uncredited for writing this too. Oh, really? Uh huh. But it was, but it was, it was just funny because they had these two separate interviews and they aired them back to back. But it's each one basically blaming the other one for how fucked up Seven is. Really? Yeah. And so the writer's like, "Yeah, I wrote this thing, but you know, it wasn't that fucked up." And then Fincher said, "You know," and then Fincher's like, "Yeah, I got this script. It was so fucked up." Oh you know? wow! <laughs> yeah, it was really funny. It gets way more fucked up when you're like in the car, and I mean, we're sorry, we're ruining seven. If you, I mean, we did this episode a long time ago. We did seven like ages ago. So, but um, yeah, it's really interesting in seven that like once you're just like, holy fuck, this is so crazy. All these crimes are happening, and then when they mm-hmm. finally like catch him, and then you get like, I mean, granted, Spacey's like, I uh, objectively don't like the man, but mm-hmm. he's a great actor, and the. I mean, in a weird way, but in this movie specifically, like when you get to that last scene of him in the car, I mean, that's the most captivating 10 minutes of the film, like Mm -hmm. beyond any gory, um, you know, details that you see his reasoning and the way he's speaking to them about Mm -hmm. what is happening is literally the most chilling part of the whole thing because that's how a lot of people think uh, or a lot of people you know who do those kind of crimes like they rationalize in a very like logical seeming way that really freaks you the fuck out like yeah i've heard it called like uh like missionary missionary serial killers where it's like they they feel like their killing is towards a towards a purpose yeah Mm -hmm. like Like they have have a duty yeah like dexter right Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, very much like Dexter. Oh god. Wait, you oh that's right. You guys watched the new one. Yeah. The new yeah. series. I'm hoping that's it. Uh, please don't let's just not make it. this. We just need to leave it. Yeah, let's not make this a whole universe, I, I would say. Instead, Showtime should do the game series that we are pitching today. Yes, we should probably <laughs> like maybe edit that out so we could shop it <laughs> somewhere. Mm-hmm. Um, figure it out. But um if you uh if anyone knows how to if someone I'm sure owns the rights to it, so yeah uh, for the film but or for the story itself. But and it's so close that you can't, you know, it's like yeah, we couldn't you, do it. Yeah, if you do it independently without the right, somebody can. You couldn't call it like the puzzle. <laughs> no. <laughs> or like just CRS. We could just call it CRS because it should just be about the company. Like, yeah, that, that would, be, that would good. be really good. Yeah, yeah I, I just want to know about. I want to know about who started it. I wanted to meet the wizard behind the the curtain which they mentioned they say like he's like no fuck this when like michael douglas is like going into the like mm-hmm. into the uh what do you call it the building and he's mm-hmm. like got the guy like kidnaps the guy or whatever and holds him hostage he's like no i want to go meet the wizard i was like but who is the wizard <laughs> we still didn't yeah. figure it out like we it's not sean penn that'd be kind of great if he was like this is what i've been doing the whole time you think <laughs> i've been a fucking weirdo also the fact that he did it in london can we see how they do it over there like i have so oh, many, yeah. so many questions he was like did he even do it in london i mean do we even believe mm-hmm. him at this point i was like i don't think he did it. i think he's just doing this to like fuck with him or i don't it's know the, but it's the it's like um with magic tricks it's like 
it's it's the layers and layers you know it's sort of like like there's a reason um uh uh you you have to like hmm like you can do the trick where you're like i can hide something in my hand and it's like that's not that interesting Mm -hmm. but if you but if you start like making this whole complex thing around it and you distract people Mm -hmm. yeah and the pattern and stuff then it becomes this whole thing so it's like like um the the waitress christine is the waitress that spills the iced tea when connie gives him the birthday card Mm-hmm. you know and so you're sort of like and then the red wine later yeah and it's like like how deep is this thing how how deep and complex does this is this whole thing like like is he in the game is everyone before, in he, on before it. he goes to lunch you know it's like yeah um, that's true the game before yeah. he goes to lunch mm-hmm. yeah that's true i think yeah. the game was going to happen to him whether or not whether or not he called. Yeah. Yeah, I think it was going to happen to him. <laughs> well, I, I really love the fact, I mean, I know we're jumping around and usually I have sections. I do mm-hmm. have a fashion and music section, but I don't have many notes for it because it wasn't really the focal point. I did like Michael mm-hmm. Douglas's gray suit. I just thought it was one of my standouts. And I liked uh, the waitress's outfit when she got fired and she changed. Like she had mm-hmm. these cool like thigh high socks on with like cool shoes and like a brown jacket but i guess we can like somewhat skip over and just get more into we're just going to discuss like the story and like standouts because we were just talking about that i also love that when she spilled the tea and conrad's sitting there and then she goes and she gets a napkin or something then she comes back to the table and he just like waves her away he's like Mm -hmm. hey do you mind and then he just like goes like that with his hand and i was like does he know her or is he just being like a rich asshole, which is most likely probably what it was. But mm-hmm. I was just like, Hmm, that's so weird. Also when they go into the, is it like office building and then they own the whole building? Yeah. And they yeah. just keep moving floors. Like they mm-hmm. just keep moving the different, the offices to different floors and things. Um, I also really love the fact that he got declined and that's what they knew would get him in. Like when they call him and say you were rejected. Oh, I forgot about that. Yeah, that was yeah. what really pissed him off. That like, wait a minute, I was rejected. I spent all fucking day. I'm rich. I'm perfect. I'm in great health. I'm smart. I'm this, you know, like, mm-hmm. why would you reject me? And then that's literally what got him like, fuck this. <laughs> I'm going to find out what this is. Yeah, it's, just, it's this great sort of con and you're, and you're sort of riding along with the character. So on the TV, he's just woken up in Mexico. And I, I remember when I saw it, I was like, what the... You know, and and you you then you figure like, oh, this is the story. They've mm-hmm. you know they've done like identity theft, and um, and now he's got to go back to California and you know and you know find his way back kind of thing and take back his life with eighteen dollars um, in that poor diner where he's like, <laughs> someone help me! I need a ride to California, and I only have, or like San Francisco, I only have eighteen dollars. Mm-hmm. I was like, oh my gosh! But then you wonder, like, are the game people there? You know, like, they're are they just all of it? Like, but how would you know what diner he's going to walk into? And, and I think this, that they're they're leading him down a garden path though the whole time. And, and this it's it, it hints at, at sort of you know paranoid schizophrenia and stuff where you. Um, and uh, also like gang stalking this uh, it's this thing where people usually feel as though they are the victims of gang stalking when they're just being paranoid. 
but it is mm-hmm. you uh it's related to like gaslighting where it's like you just have a bunch of people uh organized to mess with somebody um and you just do like little things to keep making them crazy um but it's like uh it it's it's sort of like the mental like the psychological equivalent of the i'm not touching you game where it's oh, like yeah. something just weird enough um and you keep going constantly and you rotate the cast and stuff like that so that the person starts to think that they're crazy um and then uh <coughs> oh actually and my favorite part is um uh daniel shore on the the TV when the TV. Uh, yeah, that was one of my notes. You're the news guy. Yeah, he's he's fucking legend. You know, he's he's like Walter Cronkite level reporter. Like, but That's so cool. Best known for being on NPR, so it's like people know his voice, but not his face as much. But he was he was on like, I think he was like number two on Nixon's enemies list. Oh wow! Uh, yeah, he's a huge guy. And in the '90s, there was some pushback because journalists started appearing in movies playing themselves. And there was a little bit of, of uh, controversy about this. I think Daniel Shore just did this because he was like, it's like, this is a stupid debate. <laughs> so he was just like, like, sure, I'll, sure, I'll play myself uh, talking on the TV. But like, I love the part where like uh, uh, Douglas is going over to the, to fiddle with the TV and and Daniel Shore's eyes like turn to like where Michael Douglas's hand yeah. is by the TV, and it's like that's hilarious. So creepy, especially when he like freaks out and really like, how'd you get the camera? How can you see me? What's going on right now? Mm-hmm. And then he drags, and the fact that he like dragged it in with that fucking clown. Oh yeah, like why would you bring? Yeah, I love how he's like jimmying like the clown, uh, mm-hmm. like mouth open, and he's like, "What are you doing with that mouth? <laughs> like, are you gonna sit there and jimmy with that thing all night?" And he's like, "What?" He like turns you around just like need to get to Daniel Shore, and 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 he's the he's the wizard behind CRS. Yeah, I know that that would be like probably like the best. I love how when the woman walks in, it just switches to the news. He's yeah. like, and yeah. the domestic, blah, blah, blah. And it just, like, totally switches off. I was like, oh, my God. Also, the key thing I found mm-hmm. to be really weird, but then cool, but then they abandoned it. I thought there were going to be mm-hmm. more locks because I there weren't any instructions when he got the game, right? Like, no. no. So it wasn't like you have to keep all these key, like, every key you mm-hmm. find, you have to keep on you because it could be, you know, it could unlock something that you're going to need or something. But he had the first key from the clown and then i remember when they had all the keys in the glove box mm-hmm. and that's when like you know connie freaked out and was like you're in on it you're all in on it i was like cut cut you all right mm-hmm. Sean? you all right like he's freaking out like i've seen him in like real life freak out i was just mm-hmm. like oh my god he's like really going for it like this is nuts um also <laughs> the polaroids and the drugs who that's was that Oh yeah, oh, that was part of the crime. I mean, that was part oh, of the game. Oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah, um, what, that was weird. I think that's what makes you think that it's a setup. Like he's like done some kind of crime, and mm-hmm. they're setting him up for like, you know, to ruin his life and to like funny. make him paranoid. Into that room, and, like, cause like I'm not gonna take this. That guy's <laughs> like, what? <laughs> no, I'm gonna. Was he in on it? No, uh, he was at the party, and he was like, yeah, "No, thank I, you for I the money." I have to assume they're all in on it, except for maybe his his um, 
Housekeeper. Housekeeper is the only person mm. that doesn't seem in on it. Are you sure? But she maybe was because she's, you know, friends with the brother, you know. Oh, yeah. She, she would have, he mm-hmm. could have told her something. Oh, and that also, it makes me, um, something I was noticing with the casting, that there's this, like, really strange, um, like, array of, of casting where it's like, uh, he's got people that are sort of almost unknown like the woman who plays Christine. And then you've got all these people that are like very famous, uh, like uh, Armin Mueller Stahl, the, the guy who has the, uh, the children's book publisher. Oh yeah. And, um, the woman who plays Ilsa, the housekeeper was like a very famous accomplished, like stage actress. Was uh, it Carol but, Baker. Is, it, um, is that her name? Elsa. I think it is. Let's see. I'm pretty sure it's Carol Baker. Yeah. Wow, she's still around. Born in 1931. Cool. Yeah, yeah I think it is her. She plays Elsa. That's cool. Also, um, James Rebhorn. Yeah. He's pretty big. Yeah, he's mm-hmm. in a lot of stuff. I most notably know him from Independence Day. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> He's like the like tr- like defense. I think Secretary of Defense or something on yeah. Independence Day. Yeah. Oh yeah. And a lot of that things. great line where they're like they're making fun of the UFO stuff. And he's like, mm, actually, no, yeah. that's right. <laughs> it's like, what? Yeah. He's like, uh, <laughs> that's not entirely accurate. Yeah, <laughs> like, that's it. He's like, we know where all this shit is. Yeah. He's in like everything. He's in like Talented Mr. Ripley, another another movie that I. Um, I tried to do and we had audio issues, so I have to like redo it. But um yeah, it's another great movie. Yeah, he's in that too. Yeah, he's in a lot. He was in Homeland. He yeah, was uh, Claire Dane's like... dad in Homeland. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I feel like he like is he he's kind of sneaky, like in his like he's in everything. You're like, wow, oh yeah, he's in that. And you're like, oh yeah. Yeah, Law and Order. <laughs> like he's, in, he's yeah, he's made for Law and Order. <laughs> yeah, he's in like everything. He died in 2014, oh. and he was oh, pretty I young. Like yeah, he was that. just 65. Yeah, that's oh, oh, yeah, really funny. sad. But yeah, I noticed him. I was like, oh my gosh, I know him. So funny. Um, I also let's see what are my other little notes I have. I actually really like uh, this is another continuity thing, and maybe this is just me, but I mm-hmm. love when he gets the the gun off of the pi the pi is a shitty pi mm-hmm. um, yeah and i love that when they finally at the end get to the cafeteria he's the one that runs i was like he's seen all these people why are you running <laughs> like why are you the one that like jumps up and like dolts out the back but i love when he comes home and his he has to like go in and then he's like there's been a break-in and there's that fucking black light shit oh, everywhere yeah. That's insane. is that like also um fuck is it like Oh, Vertigo? What fucking Hitchcock movie is that? Because they did it in the Simpsons Treehouse of Horrors. And I'm wondering if that was for this or if that was even a further reference that was even for like older than this movie. But you know what I mean? Where there's black light and it's scribbled everywhere, like Welcome Home or like whatever they've scribbled all over the walls in his mansion. But when he comes back and it's up for auction and they're in that room, it looks like his study or something. I was like, wait, wasn't this the room that was painted? Well, yes. And no. 
What I think is interesting is that there's that song um, by Jefferson Airplane. Oh, yeah. White Rabbit, which is an Alice in Wonderland reference, right? Mm -hmm. And so I think there's a little bit of that Alice in Wonderland, like... You've mm-hmm. you've taken yeah. this pill and you've gone down the rabbit hole and you're stuck. Like yeah, a little Matrix vibe. Yeah. He's, he's a little mm-hmm. Alice. Like he's he's definitely yeah. gone down the rabbit hole and he's like, what the hell is going on? And, and it's also such a great like encapsulation of like the that that sort of energy because it's all about kind of like you know blowing your mind and 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 your your everything's different now and. And you know all that kind of stuff, but it also has just the music itself is like super energetic and everything. Mm-hmm. He also has a very <laughs> he also has a very like weird. Uh, well, this whole I feel like the whole arch theme is like control, and and that is with most wealthy people. Mm-hmm. It's the fact that they are so a- like able to control so much of their life, and they kind of don't exist in this uh like pro- like really wealthy i'm talking about like higher upper yeah, like 1% like yeah like 1%ers like mm-hmm. they kind of don't operate in like problem solving because mm-hmm. in their mind money can kind of solve any issue that could possibly come up mm-hmm. and even for us when we're like even money wouldn't help me do this you know this is something like i need a like i need a job like a basic thing i need a job me being wealthy is not going to help me get a job that's something that's like out of my control i have to try and try and try but Mm -hmm. they kind of don't think of things in that way so when and he controls everything i mean money is not an object he can live wherever he wants Mm -hmm. his wife left him and is like remarried and has a baby on the way which we see Mm her and then she was in on it yeah. yeah she was really good though because she was very calm like okay yeah i'll give you my car that, that's that's fine i was like it's almost okay. like uh, um uh it's all even though he is family's wealthy he's also involved in it where it's like you see like a lot of really wealthy people they like they're, they're not involved at all like you know famously like like the walmart kids have no idea what their company's doing. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. There's this guy, uh, Jamie. Um, oh, who's the who's the director who did um, Born Rich and um, um, oh yeah, sorry. Uh, anyway, yeah, this is great radio here. Uh, <laughs> oh, please, it's uh, a it's a chill podcast. We're not like <laughs> uh, Jamie Johnson. Uh, he did these. He did like two or three amazing documentaries. The first one um, was sort of just footage he of like him sort of talking to his friends about being rich. Um, but his friends are like the heirs to like the Mellon and stuff and uh, Ivanka Trump. So you can see oh, what she actually talks like uh, before she went to charm school. Oh, um, uh-huh. yeah, got that but, money back. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Uh, but but uh, one of the movies, uh, he's filming like his family meeting with the person that runs like their, I don't know, their company or, or runs their sort of assets. And they are, have no idea what's going on. It's really kind of shocking. Oh, God. Um, uh, but it's he's a uh, he's Jamie Johnson of, of Johnson and Johnson. Oh, his sister died. Oh no! Yeah, she died. Of a, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. That's like ironic. a common, yeah, like a common. Uh, she like a pretty well known, I think, drug issue. 
This is actually this documentary is on Tubi for free. If anyone wants to watch oh, yeah. it, yeah. So yeah, that's good. Like all those movies, uh, all of the movies that he does, everybody should watch them because they're they're so sort of revealing about how wealth functions and stuff like that. But um, yeah, but Michael Douglas is like he's or his Conrad, no, not Conrad. Um, anyway, Van Orton is like he's he's a capable person even when he's had sort of everything taken away from him, which is mm-hmm. unusual. And then, um, but uh, yeah, I, I think it links back to those ideas of like control where he's like, he's like, he's built this thing uh, and he's managing it and everything, but it's leading to his suicide. And so the CRS and everyone in his life, is doing this sort of Herculean uh, effort to to like to wreck his life because that's the only way to save him. Which is crazy to think about, you know. It's just <laughs> yeah, crazy to think that that's something that yeah. I mean, I guess it's just so unbelievable because it's just not something that I've ever had to deal with. And even mm-hmm. if I became dramatically wealthy, like next week you know i'm Mm -hmm. still fully formed as a human where i wouldn't think that because i didn't grow up with it so Mm -hmm. growing up in it is obvious and even growing up in it through the generations is really different i mean it's one thing if your parents have the money it's another thing Mm -hmm. if it's hundreds of year old money that comes attached to like societal norms that you like vanderbilt's and all those people like Mm -hmm. they expect something of you because of your name and you have to live up to that yeah it's crazy. Or you go the other way. Like, you know, you're like a Paris Hilton or you're mm-hmm. like the Nikki Hilton who like married a Rothschild and like, <laughs> oh, really? Yeah. Mm-hmm, and like went that way, went the society, you know, like name, mm-hmm. like the named families, the last name families. If your name is a last name and mm-hmm. we know the family, then like, yeah, you're like one of those families, you know? Um, or you get somebody like Anderson Cooper where even though he's from, What's his family? Vanderbilt. Vanderbilt. Mm -hmm. Um, But he has, uh, but he he talks about how his mom told him when he was fairly young. She was like, it's like, people know this name for being wealthy. She's like, there is no money. We we don't have any money uh, anymore. You know, it's like, yeah, it's a name. Do your thing. Um, And then she did her thing. Like she, yeah. yeah, she like had a lot of companies and, you know, did a lot of different things. So she made her money. I think she did that to probably you know get the kids to you know we want you to do your own thing we don't want you to like rest on your last name and he did i mean he's yeah a well-recognized journalist you know so and he's cooper like mm-hmm. you know you wouldn't really know unless you knew you know unless you knew that that's his mom but mm-hmm. it's really interesting too like that's an interesting kind of and now it, it comes i was just listening to a podcast about like you know just dumb celebrity stuff and now there are these there's a new slang word and it's nepo baby and it means you're a nepotism baby so they were talking mm. about all these nepo babies and how if you see the new kind of generation of hollywood they're all people's kids they're all just uh, like famous people's i mean there are a few obviously yeah. we know there are exceptions to the rule but if a lot of the you know top people that are coming in in their 30s probably now like zoe kravitz would be one yeah yeah oh yeah yeah i mean like yeah exactly almost all of them right almost all of them yeah i think think every single one is has a wealthy wealthy, connected uh new york too new york family yeah and jemima i guess not yeah yeah it's crazy um you're seeing them a lot more like we were just we were just watching this thing with um Clint Eastwood's son 
the um was Scott, in, right? Uh, was um, Scott the actor? Yeah, the 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 guy whose wedding it was at, on the boat in the last scene. That's Clint Eastwood's son. What movie was that? I don't um, I've never seen anything. I like want this. you back. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Ben and I were just watching on uh, Amazon Prime. I oh. Want you back. Oh, okay. Um, I didn't know that was Clint Eastwood's. Yeah, son. He, he looks kind of like him, but it's sort of like, but Clint Eastwood's been married like a, I think a whole lot. Of, yeah, who's his mom? <laughs> Jacqueline Reeves is his mom. She was, uh, I think she was just like a stewardess. Yeah, former flight attendant who's yeah. best known for being his ex-girlfriend and mother of Scott mm. Eastwood. Hmm. There you right. go. Yeah. Cool. Nepo babies. I never yeah. knew that. <laughs> yeah, Nepo babies. Apparently that's the that's the new buzzword. I was like, well, that makes sense. I mean, that, yeah. I always talk about Euphoria on the show because I like the show, but and everyone's like, oh my god, it's so crazy. I'm like, it's done by fucking Barry Levinson's son. <laughs> like, oh really? You think he can't get like 20 million a fucking episode from HBO? Like, his dad wow. did Rain Man. <laughs> like, I expect so much more from Barry Levinson's son. Like, I, I, I don't know. I think, I think very highly of Barry Levinson's like, what the hell? I uh, like the show, but as I mean, I think I've probably talked about it on every podcast for like a few mm-hmm. minutes, but I, the one gripe I have is that he writes, directs, edits, and creates everything. And like oh. a one man band is okay. If you're like, I mean, even the best one man band, you know, bands are like someone has the main overarching concept, but like Vince mm-hmm. Gilligan is breaking bad, but he had a fuck ton of amazing people helping him do that show. Like he, yeah, he knew he, the whole show. He didn't say, let me do the whole thing. And he was also learning along the way. You know, it's like he did the best um, X Files episodes. Like, yeah, he that's what he did. Really yeah. funny X Files episodes, and and then I did he do another thing after that? Did he do Pushing Daisies? You know, he where like they have done another show. Yeah, yeah. It's like it's just sort of yeah. He's he's had time to learn how to do things right, and well, more importantly, how to do things wrong. You know, it's sort of you, you mm-hmm. learn. You know, from your failures um barry levinson's from baltimore oh yeah yeah so he did uh uh i think they call him like the bard of baltimore sometimes it's like he did like diner that's about a jewish community in baltimore and um uh, what was the movie about guys selling like um aluminum siding and then he did uh he did good morning vietnam Oh, he did that, huh? He did. I mean, yeah, he did like a lot. Yeah, like big ones. You know, Rain Man, Bugsy, Sleepers, another great movie. Um, yeah, he's got a lot of stuff in the pipeline. Apparently, he's got. Uh, he did about uh, uh, something heights. Uh, um, about, uh, Liberty Heights. Liberty, Liberty Heights. heights. What That's is that an amazing one? movie. What is that one? It's uh, it's set in like the fifties, and it's like, uh, Ben Foster is. A oh, I have seen this, Adrian Brody. Hitler, uh, for Halloween, and everyone, and all his his parents are freaking out. Um, and uh, actually, who's the who's the girl? She was so good. Um, Bibi Newworth. Uh, there's there's an African American actress. Um, we'll see. Um, I'm looking on IMDb now. Yeah. I just see Rebecca Johnson. I guess so. Yeah. Maybe. Yeah. She's- yeah. That's her. Yeah. She's like the lead. Of um, the movie. 
Oh wow, yeah, she has an accent. It's got uh yeah, it's just it has this great sort of feel to it. Oh, and Adrian Brody's in it. Mm-hmm. He's like <laughs> the Jewish kid who's in college and he's dating the sort of preppy Gentile girl, and it's sort of like it works X amount and then they reach some point where it's like it's like no, you can't like, but it's like fifties, right? It's like yeah. The, yeah, it's like the fifties, yeah. Yeah, um, fifty four. Oh, cool! That sounds like an interesting one to do. Yeah, I've seen, I've seen it as I, as I was looking, mm-hmm. I was like, oh, I've seen this, but it was a really long time ago. I mean, yeah, this movie's from ninety nine. Liberty Heights is. So yeah, I mean, Levinson, yeah, Sam Levinson. I mean, you know, do mm-hmm. your shit. You got HBO on the hook. Like they're gonna give you a fuck ton of money. <laughs> and once, you're, they're, once they're on with, once they're in with HBO. So oh yeah, I mean, family. The money in each ep- – I mean, I've heard rumors that it costs about, like, $10 million an episode. I don't doubt that because of the Im- immense amount of, like, camera work and mm-hmm. all the shit. That, and they, they, I think I told you, Susanna, that they actually put back into some kind of production the special Kodak film just for Euphoria. Like, just oh, for wow. the second season. So, like, I don't know how much money that cost, but I'm sure that was a fuck ton of money. Like, to be able yeah. to shoot, you know, yeah. eight episodes of a show um way more than a movie you know it's like eight hours nine hours you know but that's crazy i don't think that i've never even seen it it's like i saw you know you see the trailer mm-hmm. um, it's pretty I, amazingly shot i have to give them that yeah yeah it, it's that. a it's a production it's worth watching i would say it's worth yeah. watching the pilot just to like mm-hmm. see what it's about it it is really real it's like the most probably the most i want to say like uncensored american teen show we've ever had like I talked about it on a Patreon episode that we talked about that mm-hmm. versus skins, like the UK version that came out, mm-hmm. not version, but the UK series that came out. And I think Oh eight. And mm-hmm. that was pretty, I don't want to say raunchy cause it wasn't raunchy, but because they have less sensors than we have here, I guess you consider it like, Whoa, I can't believe these kids are doing this. This is crazy. Well, but like, yeah. Isn't it sort of famously like kind of an imagining of what the teenagers are up to? Is Which one skins? Oh, uh, euphoria um no it's not an imagining it's pretty close to i think what a lot of teenagers do go Mm -hmm. through more of a heavy slant in this series about addiction because Uh, the main character who is actually modeled after sam levinson's own addiction struggles um Mm -hmm. zendaya she's like the main i guess okay like the main character yeah like it really focuses on addiction but then it also focuses on other things too but like she has a lot of you know, problems with that. And it really goes into that and families and things like that. So, I mean, it, it's a good show. I think I just would want the diversity of other people working on it mm-hmm. and just, and the first season they had that, they had some directors doing different episodes. And then I just noticed this past season, it was all him. Like every episode was like written, you know, directed, edited Sam Levinson. I was like, Oh, okay. He's like, yeah, yeah. that's, that's dangerous. It also, um, uh, it can sour people working with you. I mean, like that's what the whole the whole Mank movie was about. Is that Orson Welles took credit for every single thing in uh, Citizen Kane, even though it's clear that you know it's it's really the sort of the the Orson Welles team mm-hmm. did it. But he it, he was sort of stingy with the um, uh, with the credits, and that kind of that soured some people, most of all Mankiewicz. And then Ben Mankiewicz, I just found out went to my high school, but was, oh, uh, wow. uh, he, uh, he's 
he's familiar as the host of uh, on um, TCM, her, right? Yeah, TCM. Yeah, yeah. that's uh, cool. TCM. Um, yeah, and you're and you're kind of like, oh yeah, this guy's this like, you know, huge writer. Um, the uh, the movie just got to the scene, the you know, the airbag scene and and the the t-shirt scene and. Oh. <laughs> I hadn't, re- I hadn't really noticed before. But- it's a long movie. It's like two hours long. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, well, I know. And we've got like super off track, but that's totally cool. That's that's no, no, no. I, I was actually well. I, I was just thinking. I was noticing that the, the T-shirt, the uh, I was drugged and left for dead in Mexico, etc. T-shirt is enormous. It's like a it's like a triple XL. Yeah, the way he holds it out. All the writing. <laughs> you had to fit it all. <laughs> Another uh, of note that I had here in the story back to, back to the game was that mm-hmm. when okay so when uh, he finds okay so Nikki finds where Christine's house is right and he goes mm-hmm. there and he's like oh my god it's fucking crazy they're trying to kill me and then it gets shot up like she tells mm-hmm. him like you know the smoke detector there's a camera in here like whatever and then the place gets shot up and then they run out get to the car and then he's in the car with her and that's when she's like uh, I'm an employee. Like, you know, like this is all a setup and she's kind of like the half reveal, mm-hmm. but then they go to the cabin, they go, he's like, I gotta get out of town. So they go to this cabin, like his cabin. And then she makes, it's weird that she makes him tea in his house. I found strange. And I also found it weird that he would trust her to even drink anything after yeah. she's just kind of said like, so I'm kind of in on it. And then she kept like, who are you talking to? Who are you talking to? And it's the lawyer. And she's like, oh my God, he got to you. I'm like, you literally just said your fucking Zurich bank account number out loud, out loud in the car. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. And then she's like, anytime you think you've been talking to someone else, it's been us. I'm like, they probably cloned yeah. your cell phone. We've seen Scream. We know this happens now in 97. <laughs> so like, yeah. <laughs> they've cloned the phone and you're just like talking oh. to them, you know? I would also say, like, he, I think because he's attracted to her, that he trusts her more than he should, obviously, because she mm-hmm. drugs him. That's true. And it's a honey trap. It's an elaborate yeah, honey trap. So I think because even at the end of the entire film, like, you know, wrapping up with, like, you know, he they go for coffee, right? <laughs> I know. You had to and get that the, last one in. Like, you know, like, there's still, like, this flirtation or, like, this promise of, like, uh, happy ending with her somehow or is i mean i don't even or, know or is it like still the game <laughs> are you still that's how i would have left it and i would have been like and i it would have been really cool if like this is like just me like because i i need to make a movie at some point just because i need to like do something but they if i did that i would have had the way the shot was where it was kind of like that far away shot and you saw him like standing outside the door of the the car and then like that's Mm -hmm. how it ended i would have had him get in the car and then turn and then like you know turn the key and they're going and then as you as you see her like turn the key only facing us to the camera you'd see like the crs key and i'd be like oh shit he's still in the game and like that's it yeah i want him to still be in that game (laughs) i don't want him to like part of it's this thing too where it's like the like control is something you do to protect yourself from the perceived danger outside and the idea that there's this, I mean, literally a conspiracy, uh, but it's actually for your benefit. It's, Mm -hmm. it's it's like, this is like the most insane intervention ever. (laughs) Yeah, it it is. (laughs) Really intense. And like, like we're like, uh, 
Uh, we're watching him sort of walking around at his party after the airbag scene, and he's just chatting with everybody. Yeah. And, and it's like, that's so fantastic because they're like, hey, yeah, we were all in on this. We were part of this massive conspiracy. yourself. You know, it's um, the, uh, yeah, which is, <coughs> it's like every paranoid person is always like, they're out to get me. And that nobody ever thinks like, you know, they're out to help me. You know? <laughs> no, yeah. The vast majority of, of people are out to, you know, more or less help each other. Uh, you know, like within, you know, it's sort of like life's all about picking your, uh, uh, your, your, your boundaries, you know, kind of like how much am I willing to offer my help? And then what do I get in exchange for it? But it's general, you know. You're you're generally not, you know, preying on other people or trying to hurt other people. You know, it's like, you know, it's, yeah. So this idea that there's that there's this massive, wildly expensive uh, conspiracy, but it's it's for his own good. Uh, I think it's just such a, a great idea. Um, and there's James Redmore dancing. Um, <laughs> That was pretty cool, the cafeteria moment where you just see all of them dressed up. Yeah. Like, yeah. everyone there, like, the two guys in that supper club who were talking about it in the beginning, the lawyer. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I was like, man, how could... I could not go around this party uh, after falling on that airbag being like, hey, hey, I'd be like, fuck all of you. This is yeah, insane. <laughs> like, I almost died. You guys were all in on it. I thought I had no mm-hmm. money. I thought I was... I was literally... You left me in Mexico. Like, what mm-hmm. the fuck? How did you... Was everyone around there okay to make sure I didn't get, like, like something happened to me there? Yeah, like, yeah. yeah, like that's all just... those truckers, all the people in Mexico. Yeah, everyone. Yeah. I was like, who's mm-hmm. in on it? Who's not in on it? This is crazy. And yeah, I thought a, it was cool. What a crazy gamble that like they're gonna pay for it, right? Like they said, if mm-hmm. you don't like it, if it didn't work out, you don't mm-hmm. have to pay. It's like yeah. no. Like, like yeah, have- that can't be it. And I love the waiver. He was like, it's invisible ink. I was like, how have they not put him in? Like, they have to all be in on it because they would have put him in probably a hospital and been like, what's going on? Like, is there something going on here? Because he just is not making sense. But uh, yeah, I guess, I mean, they were all in on it in that case. The lawyer was very calm. Like when he was yep. like, oh my God, this is happening. And oh my God, I can't even talk about this. And my money's gone. And he's like, it's okay. Your money's fine. She's like, they got to him. I was like, oh my God. <laughs> oh my God. It's everyone. It's everyone. It's, just- well, it's this crazy thing too, where it's sort of like, yeah, just, just the, uh, I guess that's part of the fun of it too, is when the, um, well, the whole thing's a, a big magic trick. You know, it's like, it's like you've got the reveal at the end of the magic trick. Um, and then you enjoy thinking about how they pulled off this, An elaborate. This, this elaborate trick. You know, you could you could spend the rest of the night thinking about it. Um, I wouldn't believe it. Um, I would just be like, what? Stuff. That's nuts. Like it's it's cool. I mean, I this is this is cool because now in the beginning of the episode, I was just like, I've seen this before. It was okay, blah blah blah. So this is cool. This is another episode that I got like a totally different spin on it. And now I'm like, yeah, it is kind of cool. Good old Michael Douglas coming through <laughs> the clutch again, <laughs> like he, like he always 
does. Um, he's another Nepo baby. <laughs> oh, yeah. Speaking of Nepo babies, I, yeah, baby. him and his brothers, yeah. Yeah, they're not all babies. <laughs> they, they can yeah. also be Michael Douglas. Um, yeah, so this was cool. Do you guys have any other uh, things to wrap up? This was fun. We should do another episode. This is a... Uh, two two uh, things. Um, one was uh, Christine's roommate was mm-hmm. played by Linda Mans, who was... Um, she was a uh, um, she was a big uh, she had a, a huge role in uh, Days of Heaven. That was the um, uh, the guy who did Thin Red Line. That was like one of his first movies. Oh, um, and it was um, I'm, I'm blanking on his name, but uh, the I'm trying to pull it up. Um, Oh, Mark Boone Jr. He was the private investigator. Yeah. That's where I've known him from. (laughs) Oh, wow. Yeah. Oh, he's in uh, that show Patriot on uh, on Amazon. He's in Sons of Anarchy. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. He's the the guy who's uh, uh, he's got the falafel scene in the first, you know, Batman Begins. Oh, wow. Guy who was a comedian was he on Daily Show? Um, uh, Asif Manvi. Oh, okay. Yeah, um, he's got some scene where he's he's the corrupt cop on the take, and then uh, oh yeah, Days of Heaven. Terrence Malick. That's who Terrence you're thinking Malick, of, right? Yeah. Oh, and she was in oh The Wanderers. Jeez. Uh, then uh, two other thoughts. Uh, interesting to. Think about this game. Uh, uh, think about the game and Fight Club mm-hmm. as two things about sort of people breaking um, out of like normality. Um, one uh, is being sort of forced, and the other one is voluntary. I guess. Ooh, actually, yeah, is because uh, Tyler Durden is forcing Ed Norton's character out of yeah. his life. Um, to not yeah. be a wimp who shocked the <laughs> idea and to I love that like you go into a I, lo- I would love to see that casting meeting like so Edward Norton great yeah we got you this narrator this super like buttoned up guy and then we have this guy that you will never ever be and he's like a perfect specimen and it's Brad Pitt <laughs> he's, <laughs> he's who you aspire to be he's what all women want that you'll never will be and like this is who you have to play with and I like my favorite scene in Fight Club is when you find out who he is and then he's just like I'm you I look like you want to look I fuck like you want to fuck and I'm smart and capable and above <laughs> all I'm free in all of the ways that you are not <laughs> and he's just like wow, you that, know that line. I do I know that yep. entire movie yeah backwards and forwards I'm like literally like I'm not because I'm a obsessed with fight club in like a weird red pilly way like a lot of mm-hmm. guys are now but oh um, no I, I think fight club explains so much so much american history and but the male the people who are into <laughs> it don't understand it because it's also um it uh it's a critique yeah it's a critique it's also like the what uh brad pitt is doing uh is it's I don't know if it's intentional, but it's basically telling the story of how the Nazis started. Um, oh God, where they're kind of like bringing I in all I've heard that word way too much lately. <laughs> like, well, fortunately. Yeah, and then, uh, it, it, there's also like this all this other stuff. Uh, 
what was I going to say? There's something else. Oh, um, uh, Herman Hesse, Hesse uh, wrote this book called Steppenwolf about a guy who was kind of locked into this, like, sort of self-obsessed um, uh, but miserable and kind of suicidal kind of headspace. And then he encounters the people at the, at the uh, I think it's called the Magic Theater. This was like a like a 1930s novel. Let me see. Uh, 19, oh, 1927 it came out. Um, uh, and he's he's miserable. He's he's like a, he's like a goth. Like he's like self obsessed and stuff. Um, and he thinks of himself as like like a wolf of the steppes. You know, a Stephen in German Stephen wolf. Um, oh. And he's sort of like a lone wolf, and he's miserable and and stuff and then like one day he goes out to this like magic theater and they kind of it like he's never sure what's going on there's all kinds of stuff about sort of drugs and performance and like magic tricks and things like that but basically they start sort of messing with his life uh uh and through that he kind of emerges you know he sort of is freed of of the 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 box that he had made for himself, ah. where, like miserable. Um, what is it? Uh, yeah, magic theater. But yeah, it's this. It's not a very long novel, but it, it's really interesting. And uh, actually, there's some parts in it that make me think that um, the scene in Citizen Kane where the uh, the guy is talking about how he fell in love with a girl on a boat like that he saw once and he was and he was like it's like that's i've always been in love that's always been the love of my life like this girl that i saw once oh, wow. but, like she was on the ferry pulling in he's on the ferry pulling out or something you know it's kind of like so i wonder if there's this connection going on here it's like i wonder if the guys who wrote the game had read steppenwolf i mean they have they to have something it's a really well-known, it's a super well-known book and author. It's so interesting, mm-hmm. too. In college, I had a class that was uh, called Life, Death, and Immortality. Mm-hmm. And it was all about religion and different religions. So our final project, this was like 2000, I want to say like maybe 2001 or two. And our final project was we had to just, you know, like do a paper. And I did a whole paper and presentation on comparing Siddhartha to uh, Fight Club. So it's so oh, funny wow. that you mentioned that. <laughs> Because wow, and it was so awesome. it was so weird because everyone in in class was just like, why does this girl like this movie that's like such a dude movie? Like everyone would be like, why do you like Fight Club? Because I had the tape, you know, in my dorm room, and I just watched mm-hmm. it all the time. I was like, I fucking love this movie. The book's even better, and yeah. um, same with American Psycho is another one that's almost kind of similar but eighties and like, obviously mm-hmm. a comment and satire on this like horrible materialistic world, but. Uh, he is just, yeah. I mean, he's a, a Patrick Bateman's very similar to like Tyler Durden too, but just doesn't have like an alternate personality. I mean, mm-hmm. does but doesn't you know manifest itself in another person. But but it's uh yeah. So I, I was just like, oh wow, Siddhartha. I was like, that's a Herman Hesse book too. Yeah, um, yeah. That was it's yeah. It's super similar, like the kind of like Hindu, you know, freeing yourself of the things that are like kind of that society tells you that you need to be a more complete person. But in reality, it makes you like more burdened. 
with mm-hmm. and just you know materialistic things thinking what other people think about you you know yada yada but yeah it's it's uh and definitely gives insight to the millennial male that kind of was really shaped and formed by fight club but i don't think took the right things from it yeah <laughs> it's personally. really weird you get you sort of you get uh it's like people see the movie and they're kind of inspired to take in certain ideas and it's like it's like, oh, you, you took that the wrong way. Yeah, you want to like, do project. Like you're not supposed to <laughs> like be idolizing these guys. It's like, um, yeah, like I like the detail in the book how uh, it wasn't the credit card companies that they were trying to destroy, but the art museum. Like, mm-hmm. um, and he was going to have the the um, the skyscraper destroy the art museum. And, and he was saying, you know, because then that'll destroy art, and then we'll have to create new art. And stuff yeah, like there'll that. be no kind of yeah. yeah, there'll be no like one place that tells you where all mm-hmm. the good art is. Yeah, it's like up to everyone. Yeah, it's pretty. Uh, it's pretty cool. I mean, I could talk about Fight Club forever. I did a while ago, but I could totally mm-hmm. talk about it again. But um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, this has been super fun. I mean, do y'all yeah, thank you, Lauren. Yeah, this has been so yeah. cool. I'm so stoked to do another film with both of you, one Absolutely. of you, either one of you. <laughs> it doesn't matter. <laughs> yeah. Um, I forgot to mention that we have a letterboxed in the notes for the podcast, which has all of the movies that we're considering. We're doing a backtrack series where now we're doing films before. 1990 i'm kind of doing them sporadically i haven't decided when or if there's a format but we just did rebel without a cause so if either one of you also want to do a film that's before 1990 we have we're gonna do that too and even after 19 or no after 2000 so we're not mm-hmm. only doing 90s over here but we're still in the 90s we still have a lot of 90s movies to do so let's i bet there's also a lot of movies where it's sort of like that set that set up the 90s you know it's oh like, yeah like, like some 80s ideas where you know, that kind of came to, like, I remember like a very distinct point in time, I guess I was mm, just starting high school, where it was like, there was an AT&T ad that was the, it was the sort of, the you will ad, and it was like, they were kind of talking about the internet and stuff, and all of a sudden things were sort of, there was a lot of like stuff shot on Fujifilm, like green, like, well, like camcorder. And a lot of stuff was being filmed in Vancouver all of a sudden. Oh, so yeah. Like things were shot in a different way. So, like, this whole aesthetic changed. So, you had, like, uh, I think kind of like the first one was sort of like Sounds of the Lambs. Yeah, Jonathan uh, Dem. The Lambs, and then uh, uh, Twin Peaks. Yeah. And, uh, we're to bring in this, like, aesthetic. It, it was kind of like people in very large trench coats and stuff being shot in like places that are gray and green and gray skies mm-hmm. and, and, and color grading became color a thing. grading and yeah. like, um, Peter Gabriel's us album <laughs> uh, had come out and people were like that music was appearing in a lot of places. And, and it was just sort of like realizing that there was something like going on, something else I was in, in terms of style um, it, it was like seeing like a cultural wave. Oh yeah, so completely. Be like, oh, something's happening, you know. Gus Van Sant, like my own friend <laughs> Idaho, was like a Absolutely. totally new, yeah. very cinematography visual based. I think we became mm-hmm. way less dependent on a film with plot and constant script. 
And I mm-hmm. think people were, and it wasn't just, you know, there always has been that kind of subset of, you know, independent, you know, film genres or genres that weren't widely accepted by the masses, but then it's slowly mm-hmm. more A-list, I guess you could say stars were doing films like that. And that's what brought people because of the actor, they wanted to see this new thing going on. And then, then obviously the directors became stars in like the mid nineties, like all of a sudden we knew who mm-hmm. Tarantino was and he wasn't an actor. He was like, yeah, yeah, you knew like the style of the director, you knew Spielberg, mm-hmm. you knew like the all these people were starting to become stars and they were directors. And before and, it and wasn't like that. Quality into movies. There was like, like there's a lot of like huge movies from the late '80s that you watch and you're just like, it, and you kind of you, you see them again and you're like, this is unbelievably like poorly done. You know, it's like mm-hmm. super low budget. Uh, you know, stuff like Schwarzenegger movies and things like that. We're like this looks like this was done on like a $50 budget. Like th- this looks like an indie film because everything is so sort of badly done. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then, and you're like, what did this make? And they were like, Oh, this made like a hundred million dollars. Yeah. <laughs> like a ton. Why, you, why you did it so cheaply. But you know, if you're going to, if you're making that much money, maybe you could spend a million dollars making this movie. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> then you see what people made on no money, you know, you can see yeah, that people yeah. like Blair Witch Project used like nothing. You know, mm-hmm. and it didn't even need that. It's literally, yeah, there are just a lot of different things. It's about the story. Oh, there's another really good, I love all these kind of decade recaps. I have to say for anyone out there who's just into the history of film or anything, CNN does a great one called The Movies and they do it by decade. And they, oh, really? yeah, and they interview, you know, different people in the industry and actors and things. And they talk about these shifts in indie like indie filmmaking was what blew up in the 90s that that's that's what became the thing was that there weren't really indies before that it had to be a studio film you know you weren't going to get money for anything so then it became independent we started to see you know people take chances on people like tarantino you know who just became this like next wave of you know different directors and then everything became more niche same with tv it was now we're in like a crazy niche tv world i mean you can literally have two million people who watch something and that's a success you know but back in the day no and and that's why you get all this division too is that people you know for a lot of people fox news is news they they yeah you can't tell them anything different yeah and you're sort of like whereas it used to be that you know we all like no matter who you were, you were still getting your news from Walter Cronkite, and then you could yeah, it's your take on it. But you know, you still um, you were still getting the same information. Whereas now it's so divided. Well, now it's opinion based. Now it comes from like talking heads, and it's yeah. like skewed into like what their opinion is. Like that's pushed into what the story I'm gonna tell you it's not just like these are the facts this happened today here this happened today here and that's what's going on okay good night like it's not like that it's like yeah it's a difference between uh um news and editorial and it's like in the paper you know those are on separate pages and they say this is the editorial section yeah this is one person's opinion (laughs) yeah whereas fox is like nothing but editorials but it's uh, as you're like well okay um, money 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 and ratings that's <laughs> what it's all about yeah but well, yeah man this has been crazy fun awesome. and, yeah uh, yeah we will uh see you guys yeah on the next one yeah.